Joanna DeCellis, editor of Club and Resort Chef. In this episode of Club and Resort Talks, we're chatting with certified master chef Jonathan Moose-Miller, who is the director of food and beverage with Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Over the past few months, Chef Moose-Miller has had to completely transform his operation, and as Oklahoma continues to peel back restrictions, more change is on the horizon. But thanks to its strong leadership team and Chef Moose-Miller's detailed plan to phase dining programs back in, the club is optimistic about the road ahead. Thanks for joining us today, Chef. Tell us a little bit about how about yourself and how long you've been with Southern Hills. So I have been uh, at Southern Hills now for almost eight and a half years. Uh, I was there seven years as the chef and then took over as the F&B director about a year and a half ago. Tell us a little bit about the club. How big is the club? Uh, so we're, we're a fairly large club. We've got 900 members, uh, 27 holes of golf, um, five uh, a la carte dining areas. Uh, full banquet area. We sit on about 500 acres, I believe it is. Club was uh, was founded in 1936, so we're we're celebrating 85 years this year. Wish it would have been under a little bit better circumstances. Right, right. <laughs> but, yes, uh, it's a bit challenging right now. <laughs> absolutely, um, but it's it's been good. It's it's been a, it's a great place to work. We've got a rich, real rich golf history. Um, we've held, I believe, 16 uh, majors since the club has opened. Um, and we're getting ready to have the host the senior uh, championship next year in May, and uh, we just got uh, just got awarded the uh, the 2030 PGA Championship. So we're really looking forward to that. Congratulations! How big is the food and Thank beverage you. operation? So we do right at about five million uh, all in for F and B, and it's split about fifty fifty uh, between a la carte and banquets. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on as a result of COVID-19. How has this situation impacted your food and beverage operation? Well, it's been, uh, you know, uh, kind of a day-by-day basis, as I think it is, has been for everyone. Uh, we shut down, um, I believe it was around March 12th. Um, I, ironically, was actually out of the country when it happened. Um, Where so were you? Whole, uh, we were in uh, Jamaica, actually, my wife and I uh on, a, on vacation down there and uh we got the we knew things kind of were going on but things really hadn't gotten too crazy yet so we decided to go ahead with the trip and then shortly after we got there is kind of when everything really started to go sideways wow so did you come back right away we ended up cutting the uh the trip short uh by a couple of days we were you know we didn't have our kids with us and everything we were starting to get nervous that we were going to get stuck and although I can think of worse places to be stuck, we didn't want to get stuck away from the kids. Uh, we came back about four days early. Um, and then unfortunately, we were under quarantine when we came back. So I was doing everything remotely from home for the first two weeks, kind of when all of this happened. Um, so did the club we, go into full shutdown while you were in quarantine? What, what happened? Yeah, the first we went into uh, full shutdown for just a few days, kind of when everything happened and kind of waiting to see uh, direction and, and kind of what was what exactly was going on. But then we reopened that following week um, with takeout service only. Um, and for us, it was a pretty, pretty easy swing. We do takeouts a big part of our program right now. And so it really wasn't a hard thing for us to get off the ground. We have we had all the all the uh, necessary stuff in place um, and it was really kind of seamless for us to start and we did that for up until um, May 1st we were allowed to open indoor dining um, but we as a club and as an F&B team decided to kind of wait just a little bit we weren't feeling real confident at that point 
with the with all the information that we had received and direction and kind of what the expectation was going to be. Uh, so we decided to play it safe and, and hold off for a couple of weeks uh, just so we can make sure that we were able to provide a really you know safe environment for the membership. You know, we had been lucky enough that we hadn't had any cases or anything at the club um, up until that point. So we didn't want to rush to get open and then immediately, you know, run the risk of getting a case and then having to shut down again. Uh, so we ended up opening um, uh, May 12th. It was that Tuesday after Mother's Day, we opened for indoor dining. How did you change the indoor dining program? Did you have to cut capacity or spread tables out? We, uh, we went to about 50% capacity. We went through most of our, all of our dining rooms and uh, spaced everything out, you know, the six feet. At that point, we weren't allowing any tables larger than six because uh, we, were, we were still in the, in the first phase of kind of reopening. Um, and one of the big changes, probably the biggest change for us and for our membership is we went to reservations only. Uh, most of our dining rooms don't require reservations. So we're, we're always, we always, everyone's always a walk-in um, for the most part. So that was, I think, a big change for the membership to where they needed to make a reservation. Uh, we liked it because we knew exactly who was coming in. There was really no guessing. Um, and, but I was really surprised on how well they, they transferred into that and, and started making reservations. You know, it, it was almost like they had been doing it all the time, which was nice. What, did you get any pushback? No, not really any pushback from the membership. I think at that point they were really happy just to be back and be back in the club. Um, you know, I think from a member standpoint, they feel, they feel safe coming to the club more so than going out into normal public areas. Um, and it was a lot of them, we were pretty full just about every night when we first opened up. Um, again, we, we really tried to concentrate on the outdoor seating. Um, we had that all set and then it ironically rained the first three or four days that we were open. So one of our large dining rooms, we've kept closed to use that for if the patio closes, we can move all those reservations inside. Um, but with the other three dining rooms, you know, they've, they've stayed pretty busy. And we've had, you know, really good uh, feedback from the membership. We, we have a few, I, I'd say our membership's kind of in two different groups. We have the, the group that's still extremely cautious and, and very, you know, aware when they come in, they have their masks on when they come in. Um, and then we have another, you know, kind of other group membership that's, that seems to be a little bit more relaxed. And I think they're happy just to be back in the club. Um, so it's, we, we're fortunate enough to where we have enough space to where we can kind of spread everybody out and, and make everybody feel as comfortable as we can. What kind of training did you have to do with your staff, front of house and back of house, leading up to reopening? So one of the, some of the first things that we did um, to get the staff, we, we, we went to masks with all of the staff. Uh, we did uh, temperature checks for all the employees coming on. That's something that we're still continuing to this day um, and, and plan to continue moving forward. Uh, there was also a questionnaire that needed to be filled out in regards to symptoms and if they had anyone had traveled anywhere um, or if they had been around anybody who had, you know, symptoms or tested positive um, for COVID-19. And then pretty much, you know, in the kitchen, it was, it was a little bit easier training because most of those, most of these practices have, have been in place in kind of one way, shape, or form, and it was just kind of uh, tightening them up just a little bit and kind of reinforcing as far as, you know, gloves and, and hand washing and sanitizing and those types of things. The front of the house, it was a little bit more, um, I think, of a change and shock for them. 
um, you know, having to wear the gloves all the time and the masks. And I think it really, you know, going through the steps of service, we tried not to, tried to keep as, as normal as we could. And then really going through those touch points and, and trying to modify those to make them safe um, and to create social distance and, and those types of things um, as, we were, as we were recommended to do so. Um, and it's, it's been good. We've had a lot of really good feedback from our membership so far um, that have said, you know, hey, we've been out to other places in town and we, we see that there's definitely a difference of, to the level of what you're doing here at the club. And we're really happy to see that. And it makes us feel safe and we'll continue to come here and, and maybe not venture out to some of the other restaurants uh, for a little while until things begin to calm down. What have been some of the biggest challenges in this process? Uh, again, I think it's trying to get everyone to understand, you know, all the different touch points and all the different things and, and how easy, you know, things like cross-contamination happens and how easy it is to, 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 to not be in a sanitary type environment at that point. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of time sanitizing the building, sanitizing all of those touch areas, and then as soon as, you know, someone puts on a pair of gloves, they touch their face, reminding them, you know, you, you, now you need to go wash your hands and, and change your gloves. That's, that's been a real challenge for us on the, on the front of the house side is just really getting them to understand how important that is and, and how quickly that can happen. Uh, again, I think on the, on the back of the house side, most of that information is already there through the training that they've had. Um, so it was more just kind of a kind of refresher for them. How did you educate your members on these new policies? So we started running, uh, basically doing letters out to the membership um, at the end of every week and then at the beginning of every week because everything was changing so rapidly uh, for a while. Um, so we wanted to make sure they had, we had all the updated information out as, as quickly as we could. Um, so there was letters that went out to the membership. We had it up on our website. Uh, we posted some videos uh, that some of us department heads did um, to get it out on social media. You know, we really tried to hit them from all different angles to make sure that they saw the information. So what do you see as the biggest challenges going forward? You've been open now for almost two weeks, right? How has it been? What's, what's your new normal look like? Yeah. You know, it's been, it, it hasn't been much different other than kind of everything spacing out and all the new protocols coming in. I mean, we've seen a, a gradual kind of influx in business, it's, you know, every day seems to get a little busier and I think people become more comfortable. Um, you know, we're set here in Oklahoma to go to stage three reopening uh, June 1st, um, which means we can, you know, we no longer have to wear masks. We no longer have to take temperatures. We don't have to spread people out. Um, there's a lot of different things that, you know, that we're doing now that we could stop. Um, I think we as a club have decided to, to continue all, all those things, um, at least through June. And I, I think a lot of the things, um, especially as far as the, the temperature taking of the employees and, and things of that, I think are going to stay with us probably throughout this year, um, especially with, you know, every, a lot of the places you read, everyone's predicting a kind of a, a resurgence of this here in the fall. So I think we're, we're kind of looking at it as, as keeping a lot of these protocols in place. So that way, if it does happen again, or we do see a, a surge of this again, that we already have these things in place and we're not having to go back and restart those items again. What about banquets? Are you bringing banquets back? So right now we are, um, we're in stage two. We're allowed to have banquets up to 50 people. Um, we haven't had any banquets that large as, as of yet. We've done a few 
small uh, between 20 and 25 people. And most of those have been family parties, um, birthdays and things of that nature. Uh, we do have a few larger events, well, not really large, but larger than what we're doing now, um, set for the end of June. Um, and we have, we have one wedding for 150 coming up. Um, and we're, we're anxious to, to see where it goes. You know, we're trying to be cautious. We don't want, we don't want uh, to have a case and then have to shut down again. But at the same point, we're trying to get as far back to normal as we can. Um, you know, we went from June and July are normally huge, heavy uh, bank banquet months for us. And we've pretty much gone down to, to absolutely nothing. I and mean, it's down 90, 95%. Before all this happened, what was your a la carte to banquet split? Uh, it was just about 50-50 throughout the year. I mean, June, normally, you know, our pool would have been open by now. Um, our pool's not opening until June 2nd, and that looks a lot different than what it has in the past. Uh, we're on a reservation system for the pool where they can, we're only allowing so many people, um, and it's based on square footage of the pool deck and the size of the pools, how many people we can have. Um, and then the pool restaurant, again, will be spread out. Um, and that's not opening, I think, until June 2nd. Um, so we're, I'm real curious to see kind of how that happens. I think everyone's been is itching to get out. Um, if, you know, and seeing how busy the pool really is. And, you know, we're going to be shutting the pool down every two hours to sanitize uh, all the railings and surfaces and all those types of items. Um, so I'm real curious to see how, how that pans out and how, how the membership receives that. As the chef and the food and beverage director, what have you had, uh, what, what's been the most difficult element for you to rethink about your operation? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it have now, especially when we were reopening, is just trying to, you know, we were operating as during shutdown or doing just takeout only. We had a very small crew, so it was very easy to, to control and to monitor and to get everyone on the same page. And when we reopened, that was probably our biggest challenge and our biggest thing that we were nervous about or fearful about was now all of a sudden we're going from, you know, 10 employees in the building to 75, 80 employees in the building and really making sure that we're still keeping that same level of, of sanitation and, and checking in the employees and, and making sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, and our employees, I have to say, have been really great about it. Everyone has been you know, willing to do whatever they need to do to get back to work. Um, you know, everyone was out of work for so long and just itching to get back. And we unfortunately still have a lot of people that are, especially on our banquet side, that are that are still furloughed and, and really itching to come back. Um, you know, that that was probably one of the one of our biggest challenges when we originally opened. Um, now moving forward, you know, we're we're trying to when we reopened, we we sized down menus and, and things like that, and we're trying to you know, explore different options on, on how we can, you know, keep everyone engaged and getting them back to the club and, and keeping them at the club. Um, you know, members, I think, you know, they need kind of that constant stimulation and, and different things that are changing. And, you know, they're, if they're there a lot, they want to see, see the variety. And that's, I think, going to be our challenge for this summer with all of our, you know, we canceled a ton of events. Um, for this summer. So, you know, not having those events, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to keep them entertained and how are we going to keep them excited to come back to the club? Did you change your menus when you opened the clubhouse? When we were during, during shutdown, we changed, we had a weekly menu that changed every week. And then we had a, uh, uh, like a family style menu that changed daily. And then when we've reopened now, we've been changing it about every two weeks. 
um, just because now with the wait staff uh, aspect of it involved is, is trying to keep them up to beat and not trying to make them having to rethink the menu every single week. Um, so we've, we've kind of spaced that out to two weeks as well. Um, but we have also started doing um, a lot of the things that we did during shutdown. Um, we're not, we haven't continued and you know, we did a lot of like cocktail kits and home grill kits and, and things like that. Um, and now we're trying to, now that we're open and, and kind of starting to move in that direction, now we're starting to relook at some of those things and trying to figure out how to incorporate those back into the program. Do you think they'll stay? These to-go and kits and at-home things? I think some of it will. Um, you know, I, I think, I think you know, with us, it's our members are really finicky with that stuff sometimes. Either, you know, it seems like you can run one thing one time and they don't grab onto it or, or don't really support it. And then you can take that same idea and push it out, you know, two months later. And everyone's like, this is the greatest thing, you know, we've ever seen. It's, it's, it's really strange. Um, so I think some of the stuff will stay. Um, and I think a lot of it just kind of depends on as we move forward, what we're allowed to do back at the club. Um, you know, we, we didn't see our normal Easter. We didn't see our normal mother's day. Uh, we do a huge 4th of July celebration uh, this year, and we've canceled that already. So we're trying to rethink kind of what 4th of July looks like this year. Uh, you know, and then moving into the fall, you know, what's going to happen? And I think that's our, our one of our biggest challenges right now, too, is just not knowing what's going to happen in the fall. You know, whether it be just with with regular member events or going into to banquets as well. Um, you know, so we're down, you know, 90% in banquets right now. You know, we, in a month like December, where we normally do, you know, $600,000 worth of banquets, you know, what is that going to really look like in December? So you're a couple of weeks ahead of some of the other clubs that are going to be opening in the next couple of days. What advice would you offer to those chefs as they look at opening on June 1st? Yeah, I'd say just, you know, take it one day at a time, you know, make sure that your processes are in place and, and everyone's up to speed on what's going on. And, and I think the big, one of the biggest things we did was just tried to stay really open-minded um, about what we were doing. And as, as we reopened, you know, looking at, do we need to modify this? Is this really the best way to do it? Um, you know, as more and more information came out, about it as well you know is is what we're doing still applicable does it do we need to make adjustments there you know it's been a real fluid situation kind of the whole time since we've been open and that would probably be my biggest you know piece of advice is just to just to, to stay with it and, and, and just kind of be willing to to change as it goes along you know i think as chefs we're always you know, having to change on a dime and having to, you know, especially in clubs, having to keep up with last minute changes and, and count changes and everything else. So, I mean, it's, it's just kind of what we do every day. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chef. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. For more podcasts, check out our site, clubandresortchef.com.